Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ, online, radionorthland.org, where you can listen to us live or check out our 10-plus year archive of great Rasslin Memories episodes of the past. I'm uh, Glenn Braggett here, with, along with my good friend down there deep in the heart of Texas, Mike, the grizzled vet McCurdy. Mike, uh, I got to ask, I always ask, is it a mobile studio day or are you, are you indoors? Are, are you air-conditioned? It is a mobile studio one more one more week. Uh, the kids return back to school in just a few weeks, so I'll be able to return back to my home studio, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and, of course, you know, in the great state of Texas, we have a lovely thunderstorm warnings right now, so <laughs> if you hear a little rock and rolling above me tonight, you know, during the show, don't worry, I think I'm safe. Yeah, we just had a, a, a storm a couple nights ago where it was hailing, and I was down in the basement, and I was hearing all this thumping around. I, I thought somebody's knocking on the door, opening up the, you know, go upstairs to get to the main window, big screen. Uh, and I see all of this hail. It looked like winter. I mean, I'm like, come on. I know we have a lot of winter months up here, but come on. But I mean, it was just hail and it was kind of a crazy thing. But then that's kind of the catch as catch can weather uh, that's, you know, the summer weather can bring as far as anything turning into a tornado or a thunderstorm or hail. It's just Mother Nature being Mother Nature, I guess. Well, yeah, we don't, we're, we're not too worried about a tornado warning or anything like that right now. It's just some pretty good thunderstorms, a little bit of rain, you know, but we need it. It's a little bit dry out here. It's been triple digits for almost the last two months. So, you know, very hot in the state of Texas, unfortunately. Yeah, it's starting to warm up a little bit around here. Uh, we're going to be back into the 90s yeah, by the weekend. I mean, for us, that's uh, pretty pretty scorching. It was actually quite nice when I was uh, away last weekend. I uh, went up to Winnipeg for a couple of days. Uh, that was uh, very nice weather. So it was kind of a nice window to get into before it gets all warm and, 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 and cozy and all that fun stuff. But, yeah, went up there. I uh, saw the zombies, great 60s uh, pop acts. Still a couple of members out there doing their thing at the Club Region, Region Casino. Went to the uh, Rolling Stones unzipped exhibit that was uh, at Expo Live at Portage Place. It was uh, excellent. I mean, I, I've seen the exhibitionism, exhibitionism uh, Stones presentation, but this was just as cool. I had, I had a few uh, updated things to it since the last time I saw any sort of Stones uh, traveling show. Uh, so pretty busy times, but we still uh, made some time here. Uh, we had a good interview last week with uh, Dr. Mike Lano, and this week, Mike, you decided that uh, we're going to take on a topic, and we're going to go right to the source. A guy who uh, wrote a very influential article uh, got a lot of people talking. Uh, this is a story uh, not only wrestling uh, wrestling fans uh, would want to listen to, but just you know. People in general. This one covers a lot of lot of topics, Mike, and I'm going to let you kind of take the wheel on this. I'll throw in some uh, questions here and there, but let's let's get right into it. This has been a quite the topic over the last month month or so. It has, man. It has. Uh, this story has definitely opened up a lot of uh, conversation and discussion. And like you said, it's not just wrestling. It's you know family and mm-hmm. you know. People who didn't, you know, raise and didn't know who their father was or raised without their father. There's so many avenues to this story. My wife even read it. She is not a wrestling fan. She watches it if I have it on TV. But other than that, she's not really interested in the whole wrestling scene as much as I am, obviously. But she read this article. She enjoyed the article. I reached out to the author because I want to talk more about it. And he's been talking a lot about this, you know, this piece. It's, it's taken over that much. He's been on the Jim Cornette experience. He's been on uh, the 605 Super Podcast with Brian Lass. He's done a lot of interviews. And 
he graced us with his presence this week to talk about this article. The article is Finding Rocky's Family. You can find it on sportsillustrated.com. And the author of that article is a returning guest to Wrestling Memories, Mr. Greg Oliver. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back on the show, guys. It's uh, It has been a little bit crazy talking about this uh, article for sure. Now, you know, just talking about the article, I was scrolling a few weeks ago. Every morning I wake up, you know, I go through the Twitter feed, the Facebook feed, check, see what's going on in wrestling news. This piece popped up. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take a look at this. So I took a look at it, you know, because I always enjoy the stuff you write. And the next thing I know, 30 minutes later, I was just fascinated by the story. Because it's a story that obviously people didn't know about. But how did you kind of become involved with this story and what was the evolution of what became the article finding Rocky's family? Well, there's a couple elements to it. Of course, I've been writing about wrestling since 1985. So I know a lot of people, uh, one of which is Ricky Johnson, who was from Toronto. And I grew up about an hour from Toronto and uh, Ricky Johnson is the younger brother of Rocky Johnson. And so we were friends through the years and he had a 65th birthday party and I went there and I met three people who were, you know, said that Rocky Johnson was their father. And I thought I'd known a lot about Rocky Johnson. Um, you know, I'd met him many times and, and talked to him on the phone and uh, had actually met uh, two of his sons, uh, Curtis, who lives here in Toronto. And, and, of course, I'd met The Rock along the way, uh, Dwayne Johnson, at various wrestling events. And I think I probably did his first ever wrestling interview while we're at it because uh, he was in Toronto and wasn't known at the time, and I talked to him there. Uh, so the story was in my mind, and I just sort of, you know, eventually it grew to the point where I had talked to Ricky enough that I knew that there was confidence in this story that I decided to pursue it. And it was actually like a 14-month process to get it to where it was actually on sportsillustrated.com which was a great experience in and of itself, but there were a lot of times and a lot of frustrations and, and wonder whether people are scared of the, you know, the stardom of the rock. Because as much as it's a story about Rocky Johnson and his kids that he left behind, that he didn't have anything to do with these five kids, it's also obviously a tie-in to you know, the most, one of the most famous men on the planet right now in, in Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So were places scared of him? I don't know. I thought it was a great story from the get-go, and I'm glad it finally found its way out there. Now, talking about, you know, you, you, you thought the idea of the story was a good idea, and when you read the article, you read, first thing you read about is Lisa, and how she's working on, she's working on her own documentary about uh, this whole situation, and the whole, you know, growing up, and all that with, uh, you know, Rocky Johnson, and everything, not knowing Rocky Johnson as her father, but, uh, how did you approach them and come up with them? Because, I mean, she was obviously working on something, but what was the approach and, you know, how did you kind of get in, like, you know, inside their, you know, kind of their, their inner circle to talk with them about this stuff? Because when you read the article, it's obvious that, you know, as time went on, this is something that as they found out that, you know, they were a little bothered by that, you know, they didn't know their father. Oh yeah. No, there, there's a couple of different elements to it, but to, to your first question though, I mean, the fact that, Ricky Johnson becomes a centerpiece of their lives and becomes a little bit of a surrogate father, somebody they could talk to, if for nothing else, than to tell them about what Rocky was like, what their grandmother was like, what their grandfather was like, people they never met or knew about. Um, so he's the linchpin to it all, and, and he opened his arms to these strangers. 
it, it's not saying that uh, Ricky is without his own faults because he would admit to a lot of them himself. But in this case, he, he did the right thing and, and brought them into his fold. Uh, and so because I was friends with him for so long, I had a, a big leg up there. They, they trusted me quickly because uh, Ricky vouched for me. And, and that means a lot. And it means Ricky's, you know, was was on my side, uh, so that helped a lot. A lot of them, you know, for every Lisa who works in media and, and has done movies and this and that, the others weren't necessarily media savvy. So there's this different element, right? You're holding their hand a little bit. You're trying to get the right things out of them, and you'd have to go back and forth a few times. Whereas, yeah, with somebody like Lisa, she knew exactly what I needed. Uh, knew how to deliver, knew what I wanted, and she was also probably, if anything, the most anxious to get the story out there. And uh, I don't think it's the end of this story by any means. Now, as you're working on the piece and you're talking to uh, you know everybody involved, uh, what was kind of your what was kind of your take on it? Because as you said, this is a story about Rocky Johnson that nobody knows. And uh, as you're putting this all together, kind of how was what was your take on it? Well, I mean, the first one is very personal. It's like I'm really fortunate that I grew up with a loving mother and father. And, you know, even now with our son, you know, my wife and I are very involved in his life. He's 15 now. He may not want a lot to do with us every day, but uh, other than feed him and, and let him stay in the house. But, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have been in that position. There's so many people that aren't. And so you, you, you have some sympathy, but it's also a curiosity factor, right? How did this affect you, not having a father? Um, in four of the cases, the mothers never remarried. They never had, uh, those people never really had a man in their life, a father figure. The fifth one that came along was Aaron, and he didn't learn that Rocky Johnson was his father until after Rocky Johnson had passed away. He did have a father figure in his life, somebody he thought was always his father. Um, so along the, along the way, he learned that was not the case. And his story is just a little bit different than the others because he was also in a, a mixed-race family. And, and we didn't want to delve into all that because in the end, what race somebody is doesn't matter. But it certainly was an element in some of these things that I, I debated going down. But I, I'm glad we didn't. We just let the story speak for itself. It's about not taking care of children that, that you fathered and, and not having anything to do with that. Rocky talked to a couple of these kids over the years, but certainly never helped uh, raise them, certainly never had any financial um, you know, involvement in, in raising the kids either. Uh, it's really a, a sad case of just irresponsibility. There's no other, reason, no other way to say it. And it's not just a wrestling thing, and, and that's the important thing to take note of, is this story could have been a... The traveling salesman that left, you know, kids across the universe. Uh, you know, it's just Rocky had the means, had the looks, had the, uh, I don't know, what the get up and go to go and do all this, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. Now, there's a, there's a valid point right there. Um, I know some people, I, I mean, I shared this article with, like, everybody. I was posting it in my uh, media groups and things like that. So I feel really absolutely fascinated by the story. But a lot of the people were like, Oh, so it's an article about a guy who had a bunch of kids and he didn't want anything to do with them, just like the other, you know, dude down the street. But the article isn't that. It's not just, you know, oh, here's this guy who fathered all these kids. And it's also about how, you know, they found each other and found the ties and realized, you know, because they didn't know there were other siblings. They didn't have the, the brothers and sisters. And that, to me, I think the heart of the piece 
is not just, you know, their dad was Rocky Johnson or he just fathered a bunch of kids. Cause yes, that's a lot of cases. I mean, there's a lot of delinquent dads out there, unfortunately, but you know, the heart of this piece is how these people found each other. I think. I, I think you're right. But it's also a technology story, right? It's like, you know, you couldn't have done this 20 years ago when, when they're just now all the DNA sites, your, your 23 and me, those kind of places where there's these databases that built up of people, right? So you can make these connections. So they were able to find each other and, and find connections to various other people like the rock's daughter, um, uh, Simone, who now has started wrestling a little bit in NXT, or she made, did her first promo the other day in NXT uh, yes. off TV. Um, so they were able to figure her out that she was related to them. So there's this, so there's this, the technology plays a big part of it. But you're right, family is the the biggest thing. And and the other thing, it's hard for a lot of Americans to understand. I mean, Glenn at least, you know, is on the border, so he understands Canada is a really big place. But if I talk to your average Texan, they're not going to realize that Canada is bigger than the United States. And this story goes from one side of the country all the way to the other. And that they found each other, they've almost all met, and I know they will all be meeting again coming up soon. Uh, it's a wonderful story. It's a, a bit of a happy ending, uh, even though it's a sad part. Uh, that The Rock has not yet reached out is the question I get asked a lot. And you know what? The ball's in his court, but he has no responsibility to these people. I mean, it's completely up to him. And, you know, it would be a great story. Lord knows he likes the publicity and, and does all the Instagram posts and gives away, you know, cars or yeah. gets houses for friends and family. So, you know, there's an obvious bonus for him media-wise, but under no obligation to do anything. And I think that was made clear in the story that they don't want anything out of this, out of the rock just because, you know, he's a multimillionaire and a, and a huge celebrity. Now, as you're writing the piece, you know, like you said, you, you know, you've talked with Rocky Johnson, you knew him, you know, his, uh, his brother, Ricky, uh, you've obviously, you know, through Cauliflower Alley Club and all that, we, we both know Ada and have talked with her Milton. as you're writing the piece and you're finding out all this information about Rocky, how are you, how did you really remain, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Neutral? Or yes, re- neutral. Thank yeah. you. I was having a brain fart there for a second. How did you remain yeah, no, neutral? Because I mean, you've been covering the other side of this family for years. Yeah, it's it, it's an odd feeling, isn't it? Because people you know and learned about along the way, it changes your impression of them. And it's not that I, I was ever hero worshiping with Rocky, but you know, from the time I met him for the first time, and I think it was two thousand and three. Until more recently, you know, you, you, your perception changes anyway because you learn more about somebody, whether it's, um, you know, the alleged uh, things that he's gone on with or even what they've portrayed on, on Young Rock where he was a, a bit of a, a huckster, right, and, and selling stuff that he got off the back of the truck kind of thing. So your, your impression of him changes, and, and that's inevitable. And that, that goes for anybody, right? You get to know... Mm-hmm. I get to know you, Michael, and, and then it, it changes a little bit how I perceive you. And that that's human nature. So you're right. There was an element of that where I sort of had to come to terms with, okay, I need to balance this out because I really like Ada. She's awesome. Dwayne's a really famous person. You need to figure all that out. So long story short, I mean, I gave Ada a heads up. The story was coming so she wouldn't be blindsided. Again, this really has nothing to do with her. It was all about what Rocky did. Uh, Dwayne's people were all told about it, 
Um, so his media people had all the story and, or sorry, not the story itself, but they had the, the gist of the story. So they could, you know, decide what they wanted to do with it. And they were, they were asked for comments and never gave one. So you're right, it, it's a bit of a weird thing to go through, but it's not any different than any journalist that goes through on a daily basis. You have to both know your subjects to sometimes get these scoops, but you also need to step back and, and be as impartial as possible. Now I've listened to the other interviews you've done with, uh, like I said, Jim Cornette, Brian Lass, and a few others. And uh, another obstacle you had with the story is once you had the story written and put together, then there were some obstacles with Sports Illustrated and actually getting the article published, correct? Well, I'm not sure obstacle is the right word. Um, the, the There was a time Process. frame. Like it, It's a bit of a – first off, it's a bit of a, a – and what we call an evergreen story in journalism, right? It doesn't have to run tomorrow. It's not tied into a date. So that was a frustration for me, and certainly for Lisa especially, and I kept getting emails from Paula, like, when's the story going to run? When's the story going to run? So there's that element of, of waiting, which is a bit frustrating for anybody. Um, but you're right, Sports Illustrated was really careful. They wanted everything to be locked tight, uh, that there'd be no issues, nothing actionable, certainly if The Rock decided to go after it, because he has the means. Lord knows he has the means to go after people, but there's nothing actionable in that story. It's all based on facts. It's all based on what happened. And so, I, I mean, I appreciate all the hard work that my editor, Adam Thurston, and the other people at Sports Illustrated went through. The Rocks people definitely contacted Sports Illustrated, the higher-ups, and uh, wanted to know about, more about the story, but they believed in it. Um, and again, I credit Adam a lot for really sticking with me and uh, running with a story. It was my first piece on Sports Illustrated. Uh, I grew up reading it. I mean, I still read the, the magazine. It just doesn't come as frequently as it used to. And uh, it was a real honor to be uh, associated with the name. All right, I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn. I'm sure he's got a couple questions. For you. Yeah, yeah. Sports Illustrated, man. I can remember back in the day getting that subscription to get that uh, football phone or those football follies videos. <laughs> I know I almost kicked myself when I was doing when the story ran. It's like, well, I have a Sports Illustrated hoodie, I have a Sports Illustrated shirt, and you know, like, why wasn't I wearing those those that day when it came out? Instead, I was wearing a, it was a, a Olympic Auditorium uh, T-shirt that the the makers of the one documentary on on the Olympic Auditorium gave me. Mm. Rocky, that was one of the first places where he became a big star. It was out there now. As much as we talk about Rocky Johnson and and WWF and you know teaming with Rocky or with Tony Atlas, that was the end of his career. Mm-hmm. You know, he really had done so much more and was a way bigger star than he ever was there. But that's not the way it's portrayed, is it? No, no. It's a bit of a, a broad brush, of course, you know, with, with Young Rock. You know, again, again, if somebody was watching it and trying to get it from a historical perspective uh, and have everything right to a T, they'd be sadly disappointed because it's it's a Hollywood sitcom. But it definitely has created some awareness. And then with the timing of this story and, you know, you mentioned about Rocky. I mean, some of the things that he was known to do. I mean, you yourself also had the deal. Had You know, you were a part of something that you ended up abandoning was was the project that uh, was, you know, that Scott Teal eventually took on was getting his autobiography together. Correct. I mean, we were also that uh, that's another thing that Sports Illustrated wanted us to be very upfront with, which, mm-hmm. again, I respect uh, the, so at some point, Rocky had worked with Seth Turner, who's currently the man behind the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and had written up a, a, an autobiography that then he abandoned, and then he thought he was going to do a movie, 
And then at some point, Rocky contacted me, and we worked out a deal for me to do his book. ECW Press was going to publish it. ECW Press put together the contract, sent it over to us, and I was all set to do the book. Um, and then, for lack of a better term, I mean, he ghosted me. I never heard from him again. I had talked to his, his son, Curtis, who lives here in Toronto. Uh, I never learned exactly why or whatever happened. I suspect it actually has something to do with me knowing too much. I don't know how else to put it. Um, you know, I'd asked him once about kids out of wedlock because I'd also gotten an email, which I had never followed up on. So it really didn't have a lot of bearing into this article. But I had gotten an email back in 2008 from the daughter of uh, one of these kids, one of Rocky's kids, saying, well, why, don't, why doesn't Rocky ever talk about my mom, Paula? And it's like, well, I get a lot of these emails, and you can't follow up on every one of them, and I'm just being brutally honest there. Uh, but I think at some point I did ask Rocky about that. Uh, I certainly asked him a lot about Una, his first wife, uh, just just in casual conversation, because I was curious. Mm-hmm. You know, how did, how did it work? You know, did, did Dwayne know... Curtis and Wanda very much uh, was he a part of their lives? I, I mean, I asked Ada the same thing. So I, there was a curiosity factor there, and I, I think maybe that was a detriment, and, and he didn't want anyone who too curious. But then again, then he went with Scott Teal, who's a, a wonderful, wonderful historian, really knows his stuff, researched the heck out of it. Uh, I'm sure he figured out every nook and cranny that he could uh, for details about Rocky Johnson's life. And the book came out in... There were some issues, both by him being paid. Uh, Rocky stiffed him uh, and brought in a lawyer and said, we're just not going to pay you anymore. And then there was an issue where it had to be pulled from shelves, and that, that's a little more complicated to describe, but there were a few different reasons, including the fact that Ro- the Ro- Rocky Johnson had insisted that it was fine for Dwayne's name to be on there as the forward, mm-hmm. that they sort of ghostwrote it for him and that, that The Rock had approved it when, in fact, apparently he never did. So, you know, that's all on Rocky Johnson. And if that's not something I, I, I can fault Scott Teal for. You've got to be able to trust the man who, you know, raised this kid who became this superstar. Mm-hmm. And it uh, just Yeah, it was a bit of a mess. I, I think I probably dodged a bullet there is a good way to put it. I, I think inevitably after you hearing uh, what Scott uh, had said in, in interviews regarding the, the topic of the book, uh, yeah, it was probably the best to, to cut cut bait there uh, for, for your own sanity. <laughs> sanity is a funny word when you write about pro wrestling. Yeah, it is. It's a fine line. <laughs> well, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, about, about Ricky's uh, role in, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, I guess uh, being the man who kind of helped helped in, in his own way to contribute to getting these uh, these siblings, you know, together and you know. And what thing about Ricky was uh, just he he put himself out here. But I've seen some of his posts and stuff. He says it's not about me. It's just about getting these 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 kids, you know, getting their their names and getting the what he calls the truth out. Yeah. So that's a great point. Glenn, and, and the fact is that we've known about this story for a while. I mean, at, at, even at the funeral when, when Rocky died, I mean, they all knew about these kids. Maybe not Aaron, because he came afterwards, but, you know, it wasn't a secret to those who knew Rocky that he had other kids. So this was inevitable that it was going to come out, I guess, in a way, and it was a privilege for me to get to tell the story. Uh, but, yeah, Ricky's been very careful about that. He, he's tried very hard not to make it about him, uh, he probably doesn't want a lot of people prying too much into his own life mm-hmm. 
because he's like as I said, I, I know a lot of his flaws, and they're for him to talk about. Um, but you know, none of us are perfect, no. and certainly Ricky would admit he's not. Uh, he's done a great thing here. It it just happens to be a fluke that one of them, Trevor, lived very close to him. So was able to sort of suss out where he lived and knock on his door, and that sort of started the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just funny the way life works sometimes, right? There's those little bit of um, things that happen. Yeah, and you know, I you know, this I have a feeling. I just have a feeling. This is opinion. With this twenty three and me, I think that it's going to end up making more former pro wrestlers' uh, extended families a little bit bigger. I mean. Come the yeah, lives the lives they've led. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be some big massive explosion of these stories, but you have to think that uh, there's going to be a few more truths revealed, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, already, I've I've heard from a couple of different family members, and again, I'm not really at uh, liberty to say, but yeah, there's there's some people that have reached out and said, you know, this story really resonates me, and and resonates with me and there's a few people that aren't even in the wrestling business that reached out the same way and said this story resonated with me because as you said it's not a wrestling specific no. story it's a i didn't know my father's story and i was always curious mm-hmm. i had a, yeah it's, I, it's certainly not that and that we think there's more kids of rockies out there too um <laughs> that's just you know that's lisa especially she's really uh a very spiritual person and truly 100 percent believes there's other kids out there somewhere and this is their chance to come forward Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a, a situation with my stepsister when she uh, did her 23andMe and to, to find her biological father. And she ended up finding a, another whole new family and, you know, five or six other siblings. Uh, they were all kind of in the same line of work. They were police officers. So it was kind of a crazy thing how this world works and how, uh, you know, this technology and, and being able to find these uh, these family members through these processes. I mean, she wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have had any idea that these people were out there and in, in existence. Yeah, no, I, I do. It's fascinating because I've never done it. I, uh-huh. you know, like I said, I think my family's pretty tight and yeah. I know everybody, but maybe we don't. Uh, I'm one of the other projects I'm working on is Medusa Michelli's book. And she went down a similar road and, and learned about, you know, her father that she never knew and which led to finding two siblings that she never knew she had. And so that's part of her journey. That's part of the book. And I have to, again, you learn a little bit that I didn't have any experience with. How does that change you? How does it affect your life? You know, all of a sudden you have not just, you know, a brother and sister, but now you have a niece. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you had nothing, you've got a lot. Mm -hmm. And so that's, but again, family's what you make it, isn't it? Right. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they're going to be close, but it means that they are family. Mm Mm-hmm. So the, in the lines of communication, thankfully, uh, in, in this day and age, they're able to, if they want to reach out a little bit more and find out more about their lives, a fellow siblings' lives. It's just the way technology is. Again, another nice advancement, the blessing curse of social media, but this is definitely on the blessing side. Well, and it, so much of it comes down to family health, too, doesn't it? Though, yes. Right? I mean, you want to know whether there's a history of cancer in the family or uh, MS or, you know, rheumatoid arthritis or whatever it is. So this is an opportunity to find that and, and, and a little bit of what if, you know, being prepared is, is not a bad thing. Oh, not at all. I'm going to bring Mike McCurdy back into the conversation with Greg Oliver today. Uh, Mike, you ready to go with the, uh, another round of questions? Oh, definitely. I'd like to talk a little bit of kind of just how the, uh, you know, how the, once the article was published and all that and just kind of the response to it. Because as I said, I was scrolling through my news feed and saw it and I clicked on it. I read it. I've shared it 
like multiple times, multiple groups. And it's gotten a positive response from everybody that I've seen. But, you know, once the article has come out, what's been like the reaction to it? What's been people's opinions of it? It's funny because I I, I thought there'd be a lot of, uh, a lot more negativity, like people defending Rocky. But there really hasn't been much of that. I mean, it's, it's almost an impossible situation to defend. That, you know, he did this, there's really no denying it, and you sort of move on. What I wasn't really sure would happen is is how you know Dwayne would be roped into this, just because again he's incredibly famous, and by and large people you know a lot of people made jokes about you know him having to buy a house or a car for his new family members, but there's nobody that said that you have to do this, and and that's good because they recognize it's it's all on Rocky and it was all Rocky's issues, and and a lot of people were also supportive of Lisa's journey and trying to do this documentary. And obviously, you know, the power this, this man has in uh, Hollywood, well, there's a good chance to fund that documentary somehow. Maybe that's the family way to bring it all together. I don't know. But yeah, that's, that's sort of been the neat thing. But as a writer myself, the most gratifying things we're hearing from other writers um, and, and, and people I really respect, whether they've won a Pulitzer Prize or won a, they've won a Melby Award in wrestling or or it's just somebody who works at the local newspaper um, or, or my old newspaper. I used to work at the Toronto Sun. And so there's people along the way that are part of my journey that, you know, believed in me, let me write or, or gave me a chance on an article. So I was able to share their story with them and say, thank you for believing in me because, you know, it helped get me there. You, you were part of my journey. And, and I, I think that's important for any of us to say thank you to the people who really helped along the way. Another question I'd like to ask you, you mentioned earlier in things is you don't think the story is, uh, is done. Do you see a possible follow-up, you know, in the future, you know, of this article, you know, more like, you know, what they're doing now and how things have gone, you know, or what is a, what is the subject you would like to follow, come up with as a follow-up to this piece? Well, I happen to know that there's a few different places that have already approached the kids about something bigger. Um, and again, I'm not at liberty to say at this point. So I think we'll see it in a different medium besides just online. Uh, I think there'll be an opportunity to reach a different market for them and, and for a different audience to learn about them. Because wrestling fans, as you said, Michael, like we, we shared these, right? Everybody knows the Rocky Johnson piece, and yet it resonates with people beyond wrestling. So it found an audience that way. But yeah, there's still so many more people out there. You think of your Oprah types, right? Like, and of course she's not doing her show anymore, but that kind of idea, right? There's a huge market out there. It's those people that want to learn about the rest of the world. And again, the tie into the rock doesn't hurt as long as you don't capitalize on it. But I mean, it's certainly part of the story. So I think they'll be out there doing it. Um, and, and Lisa's story alone and her connections in the movie business uh, out in Vancouver, which is, you know, Hollywood North is, is one of the things they've called the BC film industry. So, you know, there's the chance they'll, they'll get a chance to do a lot more than just this story. As personally, I mean, I'll be following it. You know, I can always do something on my slamwrestling.net website uh, just because I have the access, right? I have the I have the platform to do their stories a little bit further if I choose to. As far as, uh, you know, the kids going all that, you know, you wrote this article, you said you worked on it a year. Uh, have you maintained, uh, like, kind of, contact with them and any friendships kind of evolved for this you know do you stay in touch with them after this you know year journey putting the story together 
well, it was a year staying in touch with them here and there. So, yes, I, I became friends with them, I'd say, uh, especially Lisa. She was the – they almost elected her sort of a spokesperson for the five of them. And, again, she's the one most knowledgeable about how this all works, all those kind of things. So Lisa and I became pretty close through this process, and I value her friendship. Uh, we've only met once, and that was at uh, Ricky Johnson's uh, 65th birthday party. And I remember sitting down beside her, and I, I just said, so who are you related to? Because I'd already met Trevor and Aaron, or sorry, no, Trevor and um, Adrian at, at that party. So yes, I just sat down and said, well, you must be related to somebody here because you're at this birthday party. So that was the start of a beautiful friendship, as they say. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Scott Teal's book. I own a copy of that book. I was able to uh, order it before it got pulled from the shelves. And I, I've read the piece, and obviously the book does not paint the portrait that you know we're seeing from uh, this story. Um, but part of Rocky's story, though, you mentioned Ricky and all that, is you know, the two of them had issues because of the kids, because Ricky knew about some of the kids and knew that Rocky didn't want to acknowledge them and that was kind of something that they had an issue with between the two of them and you know they, they were brothers yeah they definitely had an up and down relationship i mean every family has their little ups and downs i mean that's again not specific to this pro wrestling or the johnson family or the bowl story as they originally were uh ricky and rocky you know were tag team partners for a few years but i mean ricky's eight years younger than rocky so you're not going to be the closest brothers probably I mean, that's that's inevitable that you're going to have different, well, you're at different points in your life. You know, as he's left home from Nova Scotia and moved to Toronto, that's where Rocky is, and so eventually Ricky ends up in Toronto as well. So, and eventually they end up wrestling together as Soul Patrol, out in, especially in, in Hawaii. And that's completely left out of the, the Rock story, uh, the young Rock. Uh, it, it's kind of unfortunate because that was the proper opportunity to introduce Ricky because that's where they tag team forever not all these WWF guys that came in there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's just an interesting thing. And I, I lost my train of thought there, but that's, that's good, right? Sometimes that happens. I'm human too. I have my own flaws. Right now, the article, as I said, is uh, finding Rocky's family. You can find it on uh, SportsIllustrated.com. It's only online, correct? It hasn't made like, cause I believe there is still a print version of the magazine. I, Lord knows I wish it was in there. Uh, it's not going to be in the, twi- the, the print edition. Um, but, you know, maybe one day down the road. I mean, that's how anything works, right? You, it's about who you know. You make connections. You know the right people to pitch to. And uh, maybe one day there's a story down there. But, yeah, it, it's just online. And at SportsLRSI.com, you can find the article, Finding Rocky's Family, an amazing piece. But, Greg, you, as you mentioned, you, you've been writing about wrestling for years. Uh, SlamWrestling.net, your your website. You have the upcoming book uh, with Medusa himself, which I want to talk about a little bit, give you a chance to kind of plug that a little bit, because Medusa is one of my like all-time favorite female wrestlers. She's definitely in my top five. Uh, but what are some of the other projects you know that you've got out now? Because I know you also write about baseball, hockey. You know, it's it's not just wrestling. You're a very well-rounded individual. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm always looking for the. <laughs> the next opportunity, right? And, and if you write about the same thing again and again, you get sort of stuck in a rut. And I don't want to get stuck in a rut. I want to keep learning. And so that was part of the appeal when I did the book with John Arezzi, the Matt Memories book, because I learned more about, you know, minor league baseball. And then I learned a ton about country music because he'd, he'd done all that. His wrestling stuff was interesting, but you know, I sort of knew a little bit of it. So I wanted to learn more. 
Uh, and then through Arezzi, that led me to actually Medusa. And Medusa, the appeal of Medusa's book is not just the wrestling. It was obviously the monster trucks. And, and during the process, we learned that there's never been a book written for adults about monster trucks, which is, which is crazy if you think about it. Uh, it's all been programs. It's all been stuff aimed at kids. So this will be a, a very game-changing book uh, in, that, in that world, and I hope it catches on. Uh, then I, uh, Arezzi also led me to John Gibbons, who was the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. And um, so somewhere along the way, we, we elected to do a book on John Gibbons and ECW Press, who's been my longtime publisher here in Toronto. Um, they signed on and said, yes, we'd love a book from John Gibbons, who was, uh, you know, <laughs> talked about a lot yesterday, the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know when this is going to run, but yeah, the Toronto Blue Jays just fired their manager on, on July 13th. And so everybody's saying, well, they should bring Gibby back for his uh, third go-round with Toronto. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so that, that book's coming out in the spring of 2023, and as is the book with Medusa. I don't know what got into me thinking I could pull off two books at the same time of this magnitude, but it's been a, a wonderful opportunity, and my wife and son have both been very supportive, which is you know, the only way an author gets anything done, right? You need to have people on your side Absolutely. Uh, and, and I've been fortunate that way. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm not sure hundred percent what the next projects are. I, I know there's more out there and I've had a few talks with things, but like I said, I want to keep expanding. I want to keep writing about different subjects. Any more chances are going to be any more uh, entries in the, uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame series. I own the whole series of it. And I think those are fascinating books. Yeah. They, those, Steve Johnson and I, uh, will talk about it. I'll see Steve at the college for alley club. Uh, in September, where he's getting the Melby Award, uh, the year after I got mine, uh, so that's going to be awesome to be able to introduce him and, and and you know celebrate his work. He's made me a better writer. I'd love a chance to work with him again. I don't know exactly what that would be, but I mean that's anybody, right? You want to think about what's next and and the opportunities that are out there, and and working with Steve is a dream. Uh, he's really good at his job. Uh, I love working with him. Uh, and so, yeah, I hope there'd be something out there, but I don't know. I mean, one of the ideas we had was to do a women's book, and Pat Laprade and uh, Dan Murphy, they, they did a pretty good job of that on, you know, themselves. So maybe that's not the case. I don't know what the next book would be, but we don't have to decide today, do we? We still have opportunities ahead of us to try to figure out some of this stuff. Jim Barnett. Jim Barnett, Life and Times. My, my suggestion All box. Right. Somebody needs to do that book. Somebody needs to write that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm one of the few guys around that ever interviewed him, right? Like, that's the thing. When I look at my career and mm -hmm. how fortunate I've been uh, to be able to rub shoulders with some of these guys, it's it's crazy, <laughs> like, because so many other people never did these stories, uh -huh. right? Who else has talked to, you know, Hard Boy Haggerty or, or <laughs> Elephant Boy, Tony Livis, and gotten them on the record? There aren't a lot of people out there that have done that, and so I've been fortunate over these many years that I always had my eyes open, that I always wanted to talk to new people, and it wasn't about always talking to the most famous guy in the room, right? You want to learn more about other people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, but now, if you had this book, if you created this book, what would you name a, your Jim Barnett book? I, I have a, I have a, a suggestion, but uh, want me to fire it off on you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it'd have to be a my boy, right? Or something oh, oh, no, no, Jimsy. The, li okay. the life of my boy. 
Jimsy, the life of Jim Barnett. Or maybe my boy could be the book, but Jimsy can be the traveling, like, little roadshow. We can get somebody to play, like, somebody, uh, you know, like, play Barnett, and he can do a couple of uh, things from the book, you know, in character. And we could have that little thing, make a little side scrilla, a little money. Well, it's, it's that whole idea, like, the Jack Pfeffer story is unbelievable and, and oh, yeah. you know, really, you know, so strange and so American in so many ways, right? You know, Absolutely. This guy came here to the... To America became a something, made something of his life, and yet it's also some way secretive, right? You wonder about him. You know, what mm-hmm. are all the details? We don't know everything about him. Well, no, and uh, it's it, it, Barnett's a lot the same, right? Yeah, it's not unlike you know, you know, uh, something that we've been a lot of people have been out and seeing in the movie theaters. The story of Colonel uh, Tom Parker with 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 Elvis, or just the whole story of the Colonel himself and how much mystery he was. Of course, in those pre-social media days, he was able to uh, do a lot of things uh, with a very questionable, shady backstory that people just kind of went with until the point came when people started finding out about him. Yeah, I, I know. It's, it, it's, it's so quaint, right? It's hard to explain to people. You know, there was a time before social media, <laughs> you know, when you didn't know somebody and, uh-huh. and there was really no way to learn it. And so for all the hard work that historians do, it's still not the end-all be-all is it it's like you know there's so much more to learn oh yeah it's it's a never never-ending thing uh you know i have to ask because it's been making so much news another controversy itself what are your thoughts on what's been going on with the wwe and uh things with with, with this whole vince mcmahon thing i mean a lot of uh more will there be more to come out with this uh what are your thoughts i mean this has been a big story that has uh you know been covered not only in pro wrestling but in in the national media so that that a person in power used their influence to get sex is as old as mm-hmm. you know history itself. Yeah. Right. And I don't think that'll ever go away. Things have changed a lot for the better. The fields have gotten a lot more even, and certainly the ability for somebody to report uh, a misdeed or a, an abuse of power has changed. And so I think there's more out there. I really do. None of these stories surprised me. Uh-huh. Um, the money did, of course, how much money. But, you know, the fact that there's people out there that had relationships with him is not a surprise. No. He was in power. Um, what, what really, the thing is, when you hear the, the Me Too stories and the speaking out, I'm surprised there hasn't been more about wrestling. I've heard some horrible stories. I'm sure you guys have along the way. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily printable. Uh, simply because you need to be able to prove things to be able to print them. And, you know, I'm in the journalism business, and I'm going to follow those rules. But there's a lot out there, man, that's just terrifying. It was a very unpoliced world. Um, You guys mentioned the baseball and the hockey. Well, those guys all did some of that, too. But the fact is they had to be back in their hotel for curfew, or they had a general manager or or a manager or a coach to report to. Wrestling had none of that. Right? It's like, show up at the arena at this time. The rest of the time is your own. Mm-hmm. So there's so much that went on in pro wrestling that is just inexplicable and, and unprintable, to say the least. Oh, oh yeah, I, I'd say. And, you know, I mean, a lot of things, you know, there was a lot, a lot of blowback because not only, uh, you know, this made news, but, I mean, this project that Netflix had gone with Vince, I mean, this was, you know, not just a few uh, days put in and a few dollars put in. They were, they were talking, what, in the millions, this project? Uh, and it was still ongoing. They were ready to kind of get together and get this final cut on. Yeah, no, that, that one surprised me. I mean, we never always know how far along something is in the, in the process. 
Uh, but yeah, that one was a little further along than we thought it was, and that they had to cut it is, you know, it, it's not unusual in Hollywood by any means, right? They they often get projects started mm-hmm. and abandoned. Uh, what what's maybe more interesting is uh, what's an Abraham Reisman has a Vince McMahon biography coming out, yes. unauthorized, and so how much of that is he going to add? He actually started the ball rolling with that piece he did on Reader Chatterton. Um, sort of rehashing some of the old stories, which has led to even more things coming out. And, of course, he did that partly to promote the book that's coming out. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's, I mean, everything ties into everything else, and, and we all know so much that maybe something else comes out. That's just the nature of the game, and we'll see where it all goes from here. And it's With a publicly traded company, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have their own sort of damage control, which kind of seemed odd and peculiar when they had the Mr. McMahon character come out after that, that first wave to kind of like, we're in this together sort of a thing, and then you get this second round of it coming in, and... You know, it's diminished returns, I'm thinking, as it gets going. You know, Vince does have majority holdings on this, on his company, but how how much longer, you know, things keep evolving the way they are. I mean, just hypothetically at this point, I mean, how long is it going to be? How many more things have to be out there for for, for Vince to, uh, you know, finally, or somebody get into his ear that maybe it's time to go away because, I mean, this was the company he took over from his dad. He built, he put into, into the stratosphere as far as taking it out of the uh, the smaller settings and the territorial days. I mean, this was uh, something he was an architect of and built brick by brick. But to have uh, all of this stuff start to fall on him, the house of cards, how long is, how long is it going to take before this, this inevitable thing, uh, you know, actually finally becomes an inevitable with Vince stepping down for real, not just, you know, working, uh, stepping down in certain posts, but still have power. Absolutely. I mean, as, as wrestling fans, it's, it's certainly something that interests us, doesn't it? We're <laughs> going to be curious what happens and, you know, you, you reap what you sow, I guess. Sometimes it just takes a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, and, it's just an interesting time for pro wrestling. I mean, considering, yeah, with, with Vince McMahon's controversy and then just as A&E is rolling out all of these programs and specials for the next, what, month or so, it's just crazy how, how one thing goes to another, goes back. It's just the, the weirdness of the business, I guess. Yeah, and something's got a hold on us in it, and uh, that's just the way it is. Yep. Exactly. Um, before we go, uh, Mike, do you have at least uh, one more question or anything before we let Greg uh, out uh, out of this fine little conversation? I did have one last question. I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, SlamWrestling.net. Uh, obviously, that's the new site after you know your relationship with uh, you know the original Slam Wrestling and all that left that site. You know, you recently published an article on that. I cannot remember the name of the the person who wrote it, but the article was about Ranger Ross. And that was another piece that kind of came out and people were like, oh, wow, when they read about it. Uh, even Jim Cornette didn't know all the details of uh, Ranger Ross's, uh, you know, criminal background. But, uh, you know, SlamWrestling.net, that's, you know, your main project, you know, main website. And that's where you get to do a lot of the writing. And uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Ranger Ross piece and how that kind of came about. And some of the other pieces that, you know, have come up with uh, Slam Wrestling recently. Yeah, no, it's 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 been a great run. Uh, I mean, we've been around since you know 1996. The oh, end of wow. 1996 is when we launched. Uh, 1997 is really when we got going. But that idea that we have these incredible archives of all these stories that we've done through the years, 
means something, right? And and certainly Google appreciates us, and and uh, you know Wikipedia. There's lots of links to us. All those kind of things add up. So I think we have a lot of you know credibility, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, in the wrestling business. But yeah, so the idea is that you go out to these events, right? And and Ranger Ross was at the College Rally Club, and and Tommy uh, Malagro sat down with them, and and op- and Ranger Ross opened up a bit, and and. Again, he's just a guy that hasn't been talked to very often, which is a bit frustrating because, you know, you get how many interviews do we need with, you know, uh, Kevin Nash or, mm-hmm. you know, some of those kind of guys that get out there again and again and again. So you want to get these different names out there. They were just as much a part of the business as somebody else. So let's hear from them. And, and so at Slam, we've been pretty good at about that. Uh, some of it's often Canadian-related because we are – Canadian based though we're really not like I don't know how else to describe it right of course the the internet is very um, very very worldwide and international so often I will get Canadian stories that other places won't simply because you know I have the connections right I, I know the people and that's the nature of any business right it's about who you know uh, but it's it's great fun being the editor and assigning stories and finding the right people to do editing and, and, and to write the reviews and whatever it may be. And I, I do enjoy the site still, and uh, I'm glad it's a valuable part of the wrestling business and, and still finds an audience. And sometimes something goes viral, and it's pretty exciting, and then sometimes, you know, stories take a long time to be found. Yeah, I've followed Slam since pretty much, as you said, what, 96? So I've been following it pretty much since the beginning. Cause that's when I was able to, you know, get internet through AOL and the five hours a month and all that. But, you know, so in 2006, I got to meet you at Califari Alley Club, and I was excited by that because I'm like, oh, it's the guy with Slam Wrestling. So, you know, you were already a name for me, and I've always enjoyed the site. And I've also gotten to make friends with uh, Jamie Hemmings, who's uh, done a lot of book reviews and worked with you on the site, and she's done some great stuff, so... But for our listeners, you know, if they're interested in finding out more about, you know, the books you've written or want to purchase the books you've written or find more, where can they find you on social media and on uh, the World Wide Web? Well, slamwrestling.net is, of course, what we were just talking about. That's definitely our home. Uh, Oliverbook.ca is where um, the links to all my books are, uh, including the book my son did with me. Uh, My wife wrote Dewey Robertson's book, The Missing Link. Uh, You know, there's links to my father-in-law did two books my sister-in-law did a book it's kind of crazy when you think about it uh how things have changed through the years and how much easier it is to get published but that's not discounting their work it's just it's a different world than the one i grew up in and you know you can find me under greg map uh on twitter and and on um instagram and and certainly i'm on facebook as well um but yeah for sure there's oliverbooks.ca is the best place to uh hunt me down (laughs) And, of course, you can find the article Finding Rocky's Family on SI.com. Once again, a fascinating read. Glenn, I'm going to pass the microphone back over to you because I'm sure we're about ready to reach our time limit. Yes, we have definitely reached the our time limit. A big thank you to Greg Oliver. And remember, Greg, uh, if, you do come out with the, if you do come up with the idea to put out the Barnett book, my boy, and we can make some extra money with that Jimsy Traveling Roadshow. I'll, I'll add it to the big growing list of potential <laughs> stories. Yeah. Potential ideas for books. I just don't know how many people know the Jim Barnett story, and that's, uh, that's got to be able to make me a few bucks, too, at this point. That's what we got to do and get him. And, you know, again, we could do a, a side project with the Pfeffer thing, too. I mean, sky's the limit. Thank you, though. It's always good talking with you, man. 
All right. Thank you both for having me on the show. This has been Rasslin' Memories. I'm Glenn Broggett signing off.